morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> you serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Got a great show coming up, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Do your part. Getting the what is it? Getting the the wheelbarrow. That's what the Rams did for a while. Everybody had to get in the. Got to row go the to, boat. They had to. You got to row the boat. Is that PJ Fleck? Yeah. Grab the rope. Did Grab he bring the that rope. with him to Minnesota, or did he come up with a new thing? I think he actually didn't. He have to pay an amount of money to take that. Rocky, am I wrong about that? Sounds weird. That he took it from Western Michigan to Minnesota because he wanted that slogan. That was kind of his deal. Row the boat. Row the boat. RTB. Get in the boat. Pull the rope. Mm-hmm. The Rams had a wheelbarrow they would just push around. This is during the Vermeil 99. Yeah, he had to pay 50 grand on the way out to keep the rights to row the boat. I don't know how stupid that is. <laughs> I'm going to Minnesota. Like, yeah, real quick, the Regents had a question for you, PJ. Are you bringing that row the boat thing? <sighs> Let me write a check. Not so stupid if he's making T-shirts and bumper stickers and making money off it. Maybe now in Minnesota he's like, Push the shovel. They're like, no, no. Get on the sled. No, no. Bring the boat thing. Uh, Blow guys, the snow. If you guys ever do leave 590 and go to the station, I, I got to say, Andu Strickland is strictly a property of the no. show. You got to pay me on the way no. out if you want to carry that with you. That was sort of the uh, intellectual property of you <laughs> because you accidentally put that out there. Hmm. Row the boat. Chuck, my point is. What's your point? Grab a shovel. You don't have Dig in, get in the barrel, do your part. I'm tired of shoveling, though. Last weekend, that's all I did. No more snow. It's coming. That's what I hear. Excited about it. Saturday, Chuck. Get ready. Why don't you move to a neighborhood like that we live in, my wife and I, where the HOA, if it snows a certain amount, will outsource shoveling to someone else. Do they really? Yeah. Can I tell you a story, Chuck? Over four or five inches, they, they have someone else do it. Years ago, high school years, I would help out with my buddies, and they were friends with Ritter Landscape, and Ritter Landscape had the contract to shovel Brentwood Forest, nice. which is a massive undertaking. So here we are in high school. We didn't know if we had a snow day the next day or not. We'd show up at like 3 in the morning because you're going to get paid. It's all about the paper. So we shoveled, sidewalked over there. What is it, like Bluebird Lane, Bluebird Court? North Swan. Swan, Red Robin Avenue, and all the bird stuff. Cardinal Terrace. Shoveling like madmen. How much money? We got paid by the hour. Back then, I bet we got like eight bucks an hour or something. It's pretty good. We got paper, man. We got paid, I think, cash. I feel like we don't see that anymore, though, because when I was a kid, I did the uh, same thing. Chuck's on a rant about no, people. No, no, look. Snow days, it was great, but also you go out in the neighborhood and you get your shovel, and you Made get, what, ton. 5 10 maybe 15 bucks a driveway? Nobody comes in my driveway anymore, you lazy kids. How, why don't you shovel your own driveway, Chuck? Don't I did. on other people. All Saturday and Sunday. That's all I did. Anybody knock on your door, though? No. Hey, Mr. Marlowe! The kids made a huge, basically an igloo in our front yard, because when they plowed the snow, they basically pushed all of the snow, the plows did, 
into our yard because in our cul-de-sac, we're kind of right in the middle. So all the neighbor kids actually were playing in our front yard. It was pretty fun. And they tunneled holes in there to basically make like an igloo. None of them helped shovel. Okay. But my point is nobody even knocks on your door anymore. Correct. Hey, you want me to shovel your drive? Like, they don't even Excuse do me, it. Sir? So you're just mad that kids had fun in the snow. Yeah. No, they, they should be and working. didn't volunteer to do your job. I'm actually not mad at all. These I thought you were pro labor, Hoffman. <laughs> These kids are great. They're fun, great kids. And think about that igloo. It almost works Anti-child like a child labor. Works like a second fridge. So when Jess thinks you need to cut back a little bit, you go out there, Charlie's got frozen pizzas, maybe a 12 pack <laughs> inside the igloo. Tell me if I'm wrong. Isn't there something that's just kind of fun when the temperature is such where you get your 12 pack of beer, whatever it is, you just leave it right outside the back door, maybe. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of your your beer fridge right there. I did that all weekend. You feel rugged. You like, do. Like you're an outdoorsman. Mm hmm. And really, you're doing nothing but just leaving beer outside. But it's just kind of fun. Yes. You feel a little bit more manly, even though you did nothing but just leave some beer outside. Correct. You're like, honey, I'm really roughing it this weekend. Oh, you're going to do some work around the house? Yep. Keeping the beer outside this weekend. Put that 12-pack in the snowdrift out there. By the way, Cousin Nick, loyal listener in Minnesota, Minneapolis up there, says he believes the university paid the fee for P.J. Fleck. To bring the slogan, and he heard that it was a lot more than 50K. I bet. 50K doesn't sound like enough for a slogan, for branding, for marketing. I'm I'm guessing that hey, Minnesota... Boat, but it's on a frozen lake in Minnesota. It's going to be tough to row. Right. I'm guessing that Minnesota is putting that on their official gear, their Minnesota-licensed athletic gear, because that's a big thing up there, the row the boat. Row the boat. Hey, we talked a lot about goalie play. And when you put a guy in, when you take a guy out, and Charlie, the other day on the show, what did you say? You said, Martin, we need to get somebody on who knows the position. I just wanted to know specifically about the back-to-back thing. How long has that been a thing where you can't play a guy back-to-back? And I wanted to talk to an NHL goaltender to see what it's like physically, mentally, the next day playing a back-to-back. And joining us on 590 The Fan, Jamie McLennan, former Blues goalie, now analyst, TSN, played in the league for a long time. Jamie, how are you? Not too bad. How are you guys doing today? Are they still calling you noodles? That's what I want to know, right out of the gate. Absolutely. Call me anything you want, but I'll, I'll accept noodles. I appreciate it. <laughs> he was, and, uh, he, I remember his long-standing. blues days. He was noodles, and we did a live shot many years ago on the TV side, and he was wearing a Broncos hat, and I've forgotten the story, but for some reason, you're a Denver Broncos fan. I, I was just through a friend. There, um, One of the owners, I believe, uh, of the Boland family, the 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 not the main owner, but the brother lives in Edmonton, Alberta, where I grew up. So there was a, a, a tie to that. So uh, uh, they were they gave me a hat, so I wore it uh, uh, proudly, and that's when I guess Denver was really good. I don't I don't uh, track it as as closely as I should, uh, especially because the NFL is uh, during the NHL season. But uh, I always have a little soft spot in my heart for them, just because of uh, a personal tie. All right, Jamie, the question here, and we talked about it the other day. So you got a goalie who plays well one night. Then they're on the road next game, and they say, well, we can't go back to the kid. So even if somebody throws a shutout nowadays, well, you can't play him. It's a back-to-back. My argument is you're staying at the Ritz. You're on a chartered flight. And Charlie was saying, is it really that demanding? that Like it's unreasonable to even think somebody could play in a back-to-back game. It's not unreasonable. And the shift has come recently with analytics. That's where... Um, you're seeing there was analytics suggesting that the save percentage 
for the same player that played on the back-to-back, the save percentage was going to be lower. And if you actually just apply logic to it, absolutely. But you could apply analytics to the team in front of you is going to be uh, a little less as well because they're going to be just as tired of the legs and the mind and all of that in a back-to-back situation. So uh, for me, I think it still has to become situational. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, I'll give you an example. If you've got a star goaltender, uh, let's, let's go back to my days, Grant Fear, um, or Roman Turek, who played very well, and we won the Jennings that one year in 99. If you've got guys that are that capable, uh, would, you, would you take 80% of Grant Fear or Roman Turek or 100% of Jamie McLennan? I'll go with the 80% <laughs> of the star every night. So, um, and, and that's where I think it's getting lost is, is I, I understand and I respect analytics in hockey 100%. I think it's a, it's a great information tool to apply to your own team, to apply the league, and, but you also have to take a look at what you have. So if you have a starter who's a, a terrific player and your backup isn't as trustworthy, then you have to take a look at the, the wear and tear on the body of, of that starter. So in, in I went long answer that should have been short is I do believe – situationally the starter could go back to back and handle it but there is data out there to suggest that if you have a capable backup go to the capable backup because he is rested the rest of the team had played the night before so there will be a sag at some point where you're going to need somebody to stand up and and play a little bit better so I think that's where uh, the, the shift has come recently is because of data. So specifically with the Blues, it's complicated because everything you said makes sense, but the starter yeah. is the one who isn't reliable, and then the kid that comes up starts playing well, so it confuses the situation. What have you seen watching Jake Allen? Because I think this has become a career enigma, and, and Blues fans are frustrated. Jordan Bennington, we don't know much about him, and it may turn out that he's not great, but he comes up, plays great, and there seems to be this urgency, well, we got to go back to Jake, we got to go back to Jake, and that's what frustrates people when the younger guy is actually playing better. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it, it's a fair argument. You know what you have in Jake Allen for the most part, the organization does. Uh, and Jordan Bennington, I will say this, every time a young goaltender comes up to the National Hockey League, and not even a young goaltender, just a player, a young player, let's not forget, they've been preparing for that their whole lives. Since they were four years old or five years old, playing road hockey or playing uh, you know, ice hockey and, and saying, you know what, when I make it to the NHL or if I make it, uh, I, I will do this or I want to do that. So it doesn't matter the amount of sleep they have, the type of nutrition or whatever. Your first five to ten games in the National Hockey League, the hockey league you play on adrenaline. And what happens is those first five to ten, uh, you're, you could be playing out of, your, out of your mind. And what happens is all of a sudden – there's a settle down point where, hey, I'm in the NHL. People start to scout you. Uh, there's free scouts on, out, and you've got to perform on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Friday, a Saturday, like, and, and it becomes more of a job, and you'll see a settling point. So right now, I, I, if, with Bennington, I would ride that wave, ride that adrenaline, because at some point there is going to be what I'll call a market correction. And it happens not just to a young goaltender. It happens to all players that come up. So in, in the argument and going back to Jake Allen, Jake Allen for me has a, a really good skill set, but there are some wild inconsistencies to his game. And, and that's a challenge. 
you know, for the Blues organization to, to, to kind of work that out. Now, they go hand in hand as well. I, I know I'm getting a little bit long-winded here, but I, I, it goes hand in hand. The team has to have structure and confidence in front of the goaltender, and then they've got to trust that the goaltender is going to make the save uh, when, when it's needed. That hasn't been the case. If the team struggled, maybe the goaltender played well. That's what you need. But what's happening is the team would play well, the goaltender was no good. And then when the goaltender was good, the team wouldn't give them goals. So it was kind of disjointed. And, and it's kind of been a common theme with the Blues all season long. You bring up a great point about the adrenaline. I was wondering about that because we always hear with baseball, for example, a pitcher comes up from the minor leagues and they say you can't equate, let's say, 125 innings in AAA to 125 innings in Major League Baseball because it's just different. It's more stressful. It's more taxing. Is the same the case with goalies? As you kind of said, I'm wondering, as you transition from the minors to playing in the NHL, is every game with the preparation, with what's on the line, is it that much more intense and kind of sapping of your energy than a minor league game would be for a goalie? It is. I'll give you an example, and I can only use my personal examples uh, to talk about, but I got called up uh, with the New York Islanders. That's where our first organization. And I backed up a few games, and then I got the call. I was going to start. And I didn't sleep a wink the night before. I'm not lying. I stared at the clock at the hotel the whole night. I was staying at a hotel in the Long Island Marriott, right the, at the edge of the parking lot of the rink. And I was so nervous, went over to morning skate, had a good morning skate. But, again, I'm just on adrenaline adrenaline because I, I haven't slept I really haven't eaten. I slept well that afternoon for some reason and then just went and played. And the game is so much different at the National Hockey League level than it is, for example, at the AHL level. And what I mean by that is at the NHL level, it's very cut and dry. This is your job. So if you're a defenseman, you have a role to execute on the ice. And a lot of times at the NHL level, guys know what to do. As you go to lower levels, there's a reason why people are at lower levels. They're either developing, so they haven't rounded out their game yet, or they're an older player that just doesn't have it in their game. So to me, the play is a lot more scrambly. There's not as much trust and confidence in players in front of you if you're a goaltender. So I can almost say it's, and this is weird to say, sometimes it's tougher to play for a goaltender at the AHL level than it is at the NHL level if you can block out all the distractions. Like the the, the ice, the size of the rink, you're in the NHL, you're on primetime TV, uh, you know, you're, you're playing against the best players in the world. That, that can be very taxing physically and mentally. But in the minors, you know, the puck is the same size, the net's the same size, the ice is the same size, but the talent is a lot different, and you're a product of your environment. So I think there's a lot of things that go hand in hand, but certainly it is a lot more mentally tax, taxing and could be physically taxing at the NHL level just because of what comes with it, and that's being on the big stage and everyone watching. Jamie McLennan, former Blues and NHL goalie, now analyst, TSN, other outlets in Canada covering the sport. How about a Blues take overall? Did they wildly underachieve earlier? Who do you think they are? Because lately they've been better, and I think fans are a little nervous to kind of buy in at this point. What's your assessment of their season? Uh, wild underachievement early on. Yes, uh, that would be my assessment, 100%. Uh, when you have uh, a goaltender, again, like I don't want to come back to Jake Allen and just hang this around his neck because there is players that needed to be better. You had injuries, you had inconsistent play, and, and quite honestly, some of the moves that were made 
on paper looked really good. I'm a big fan of Ryan O'Reilly, and I think Ryan O'Reilly's been, you know, pretty consistent. But, uh, you know, Tyler Bozak took a little bit to settle in, Patrick Maroon. And if you take a look at uh, what the league has shaped like now, it's younger, it's got a lot of speed and tempo. And if you look at some of the players that were brought in, I would just say they're not slow, but they're not fast. There's just the the tempo is just average. So that's something that had to be, I think, addressed. And Tarasenko's a fast player, but does he have lightning speed? You know, you look at the group, and Bo Meester's an effortless skater, but he's 35 years old right now. And Petrangelo being injured, uh, you know, earlier, this is a guy that you need uh, in your lineup. Pareko had inconsistencies. I mean, you run, if you actually just did a forensic audit of the group, and, and could you check off five players on the roster that are having great seasons? I, 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 it'd be tough to find. And, and that's where, if you could do that for any other organization, if there's guys that are at least playing up to their potential or having good seasons, they're probably a lot higher in the standings. All right, one last one. Your former coach, Joel Quenville, huge free agent on the coaching market. What's your gut where he lands? Well, everyone's kind of pointing to Philadelphia, you know, that there's kind of a shining light over there. I know Scott Gordon's come in. Um, you know, I think they've got a roster that uh, is pretty good. Carter Hart's a good young goaltender, and I think they're giving him as, as much experience as they can. But, you know, Q has the luxury. I think there's going to be three or four organizations, depending on expectations. So there could be an, a vacancy that we don't see coming right now. And, 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 and this is, I'm not trying to start rumors or anything, but uh, Paul Maurice has done a great job in Winnipeg. But if Winnipeg, which has high expectations this year, if, if they crash and burn somehow, would, would management look somewhere else? Like, I think Joel is best off suited sitting back and seeing how this season plays out. He's certainly not going to struggle financially because he's still getting paid. But I think there's three or four organizations that easily could just be like, put their hand up and say, we want Q right now, whatever it's going to take financially, let's write the check. And I think there may be one or two organizations that we're not thinking of that maybe are farther along the path, but their coaching staff is not getting them to that next level and maybe Q's the answer. So I I think he's going to, it's not even about making money, but he's going to kind of have his pick of the litter as far as there's going to be five or six suitors for him in the off season. And he can choose that. I mean, People point to L.A., but do you want to – L.A.'s in a transition situation. Do you want to take a team that's old, uh, older and there's a lot of guaranteed contracts there as far as term and, and Rob Blake's got some work ahead of him? That's, to me, that's a, a longer turnaround than maybe some of the other organizations that need a guy like Q to put him over the top. Could the Blues sell him on coming here? I know he was fired here. That was a long time ago. There seems to be enough talent. A lot of friends still here. Yep. Obi, Obi Clark's, he's still got a seat at the bar waiting for him. I mean, is there? <laughs> is, do you think they, they could make a compelling pitch to him to come here? Absolutely. Like you said, you, for everything that you just said, and not even the Obi Clark stuff that, believe me, we all want uh, a standing seat waiting there uh, to, to go and have some fun. But it's, it's, you know, Q has a history and it's not even, yeah, you get fired. Everyone gets fired. Everyone gets traded. Uh, you know, it happens. This is the business part of the game. But, you know, he has to do what's best for him. So if it, if it fits and he's somebody that they, they covet and, and can, can pay a price because it's going to cost them. He's, he's going to make a lot of money. Um, 
I, I think St. Louis would be a fit. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not selling out Craig Berube. I, I know Craig very well, and I think he's done a very good job in taking over. It's very tough for a coach to take over midseason when things have been a little bit uh, turmoil and you, you're trying to prop players up and place them in right situations and you're dealing with injuries and inconsistencies. Uh, you know, I think it's taken Craig a while to put his stamp on the team, but you just said it. Uh, recently, they're playing a lot better, and I think Craig deserves a lot of credit for that. So um, if, if if they end up not rehiring Craig as the head coach, I, I would think that Q has to be on their short list. Jamie, great to hear you on the show. Thanks for checking in with us, and uh, folks can find you on Twitter, and then if they're in Canada or wherever, they can find you at TSN, other outlets, talking hockey. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Jamie McLennan, former Blues goalie. Back in the day, Charlie, I was kind of like a beat reporter in the Blues. I was down there all day. Absolutely. I was like Solly. I was in that locker room every day holding them accountable. Accountability. Obi Clark's. Noodle. Obi Clark's talking to Q. That's a forensic audit. I like that. We need to add that to off-season baseball. What does Gardner call it? Bingo. Uh, Mosaic bingo. Mosaic bingo. That sounds like... Vocabulary. We call it vocabulary. It sounds like a Mosaic term, right? It does. Forensic audit. Audit. And I love the fact the nickname Noodles was creative as opposed to like McClenner, Leonard, Jamer. Like instead of just taking his name like they always do in hockey, Noodles, because on the minor league trips, they said he was always on the bus instead of eating burgers and fries. He was eating noodles. So they just started calling him that. It's a hard it, thing to eat on a bus. And it stuck. Ron? So then I started thinking, what would Marlowe's nickname? I'm like, we got a guy. Patrick Marlowe is in the league. So I'm, I was looking up. What is his nickname? They call him the goat. Yep, just like they me. call him the goat. The king is here. The, <laughs> the king is here, Harrison Bader. And teammates said it's because he does so much on and off the ice. He's an incredible guy. He's also extremely humble. Oh, this doesn't ex- describe Sounds you just at all, like me. Chuck. This is said just... he's extremely humble. So we just started calling him the goat. That's oh, me. Not you at all? Because I humble. wanted to know, Marzi, great teammate, Marlozzi. Do a lot of different shows. Yeah, the goat. I don't know if that works. No, Yachty's no. the goat. Well, they got the king. And Bader's the, the king. Bader's the king. What's Goldie now? <laughs> Prince? No. That's a great question. Uh, you know what we need to Emperor. do? We are up against it. We're going to take a break. Travis Ford, the Billikens head coach, will join us next. They've got a home game tomorrow night against okay. St. Joe. Bill's only ones left. Undefeated in the A-10. We'll talk to Travis next. Yeah.